Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, the wonderful retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers and, of course, the data and technology that moves their supply chains. As you can tell, I am on the road, and we'll get to that here in a second. But, of course, we do have a new sponsor that we have to let you know about, and this one is going to come in a riddle. Now, this year, over half of the Fortune 500 are using the same asset light transportation company. Do you know who it is? Well, it's the one and only RxO, of course, the transportation partner that gives you massive capacity and cutting-edge technology to seamlessly move any size freight load anywhere in North America. With their digital platform, you get access to more than 1.5 million drivers, just a few, and customized routes, real-time price optimization, and much more. See everything that they can do at rxo.com. Again, that's rxo.com. Com. And yes, everyone, I am on the road today. Uh, I've been a busy couple weeks, right? We had a wonderful F3 here and uh, Chattanooga. Well, not here. We'll get to where I am here in a second. Uh, and of course, I thought, you know, all of that fun with our coworkers and people within the industry, investors, supply chain tech entrepreneurs, uh, it was a grand old time. But I thought, you know what? Kaylee and I, we need to get together and we need to hang out with some of our sisters within this industry. And so I am here today in Dallas, Texas for the next couple of days at the wonderful Women in Trucking Accelerate Conference. Uh, this has been here a couple of times. They actually have over 1,700 people attending this time. The first one I ever went to was little, right about 500. So it shows you over the last couple of years how much we've seen in such a wonderful increase in women participating in this industry. And this is, of course, it is women in trucking, but trust me, I've been talking from uh, truck drivers to dispatchers to uh, accounts receivables, accounts payables. You guys know how much I love back office software. Um, even to the freight tech ladies running the show at a number of our biggest trucking companies out there. Uh, it's it's an absolute blast. It's a total change of of people honestly to, to be around i've never kaylee and i were just having lunch and to be in a room with that many women all a part of one industry is is moving to say the very least and i got to know a lot of our wonderful retail partners that we talked about on this show as well and interview them and, and see why exactly they've been named a couple of the awards that we've had so far and already showcased at the conference one in particular is women to watch and shout out to ingrid brown who made that list our wonderful content provider here at freight waves uh, love you ingrid wish you could be here and, and happy to see that you are a woman to watch within the industry uh, and of course companies to watch all from Walmart supply chain, which you guys know I absolutely loved, to uh, Candor Expedite. We've had Nicole on the show in the past as, as well. And uh, just a number of really great players. Uh, Robin Hutchinson was has uh, already done her keynote, and even she said this is one of the best audience that she's been able to, to speak in front of, and is really excited to join Freight Waves again as well in future events. So it was really fun talking with her. Uh, one thing in particular, though, talking to a lot of the women in the industry and I want to touch on this before we get to our wonderful guest here in a second as well, is uh, a lot of really great benefits are starting to be showcased and 
um, pushed out to women in this industry. That's one thing in particular I've been talking to a number of the women uh, on retention, right? Why do they love their job? How long do they expect to be a part of different companies? And everyone here, one is is just so thankful that their company sent them here. I would tell people, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard for conferences like this to find the perfect ROI, uh, the women in your office need something like this. They need to go somewhere to to see other women and and talk out problems and and help uh, find that reason to stay with this industry. So that's number one, and that's why we see forty percent of women in leadership roles in this industry now, thanks to that women in trucking index. Um, one in particular really moved me. I talked to Walmart supply chain last night, and I did my research, double checked on it as well, and it's all accurate. They recently this year started providing uh, benefits for adoption. We always talk about you know, women and uh, being able to, to provide benefits for um, maternity leave, childcare, et cetera. But doubling down on it's really interesting. Not only they're helping now with benefits, uh, about $5,000 up for uh, adoption, but also with IVF. Uh, they've partnered with some really interesting insurance companies in order to start providing IF. IVF help, which for those out there, that's fertility help uh, for the number of women out there. It's one thing I've, I've spoken deeply about in the past, that when you talk with women, especially about what they want to do in the future and their families, that everyone's everyone's travel on that road is different. So shout out to everyone at Walmart Supply Chain. I had a wonderful time talking with them today. And shout out to you again, Walmart, because you're really, you're picking it up and you're leading the industry. And that's, that's why I love you. That's for sure. Uh, but of course, uh, before we get into it, I I want to, again, thank our new sponsor, RxO. We talked about earlier, 1.5 million drivers. That's a lot of drivers. And that's how many people RxO connects you to in an instant, enough to help you move any size freight, any size load anywhere in North America. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 are now moving with RxO this past year. Or maybe it's because RxO has over a decade of brokerage expertise backing up their innovations. Either way, RxO is asset light transportation that gives you massive capacity and cutting edge technology like you've never seen before. To see what they can do for you, again, go to rxo.com. Again, that's rxo, super simple, dot com. And with us again is Caleb Nelson. He's the chief growth officer over at Sifted. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us again on the show. I'm happy to have you back here. Oh, man, I'm, I'm super glad to be back. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, and it was it's perfect timing because when we talked last, we had just started getting to GRIs and just were starting to be announced by some of our biggest uh, parcel shippers out there. And so now we have a good update of what we're going to see in, in 2023 as well. Uh, could you do me a favor, uh, update our audience on exactly what you've been seeing with GRIs uh, and what you expect to see over uh, this into 2023 as well. I think when he last left off, uh, UPS in particular didn't announce theirs, but uh, we've all now been delivered that message. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, FedEx was first to announce theirs. They came back with a average, and I, I use that word um, very specifically, average of a 6.9% rate increase from this year to next year. That is the highest rate increase um, from a general rate increase that we've ever seen on record. Uh, Interestingly enough, UPS exactly matched it with another average 6.9% increase on their side as well. So it gave shippers no real opportunity to to say, well, maybe UPS is going to come in a little bit lower. Maybe I can diversify. And if I'm a FedEx client, I can ship some of that business over and avoid some of those increases. Nope. 
UPS and FedEx have been lockstep in this approach. Kind of interesting given the fact that they're two separate different providers with two different P&Ls, right. but uh, they somehow matched exactly at 6.9%. I use the word average because that's what it is. It does not mean that it is going to be your average if you're a parcel shipper. Um, and I think the worst mistake you can you can do is assume 6.9% and just add that to your cost for next year. Um, we've seen some shippers that are based off of where they're shipping and what they're shipping are double digit differences between this year and next year. Yeah, I think uh, no one wanted to be the worst guy, right? It's, <laughs> uh, the rate increases and definitely maybe evened out the bad guy, but no one wanted to be the absolute worst. So happy to see that uh, wasn't too crazy. And it makes sense competition wise. You don't want to go too over the top with either one of those. Um, uh, yes, you did talk about the average aspect of it. Would you be able to, I guess, clarify exactly maybe what type of shippers and what type of products or maybe even packaging is, is going to see the biggest type of increases compared to those that might not be affected truly as much? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're, if you're an, uh, an e-commerce business sending to residential locations, that's your first hit. They're going to charge you more for going to residential locations than they are going to charge you going to commercial locations. If you're sending to some locations that might be more rural or extended area, that's what they call it, you're going to get hit. That's the second hit. Uh, if you are sending shipments and your products are not going to fit into a nice size, you know, um, square box, that's going to be your third hit. And that's going to be one of your, you know, largest uh, hits. In fact, if some of your SKUs are truly odd size or oversize, uh, that's going to be a massive, massive hit from shipping this year to next year. So uh, we have some a, a lot of customers that are sending out um, uh, patio furniture or office desks or chairs. All of that does not fit into a nice size box that the driver can just simply pick up and put in his or her or truck. This is, um, and the majority, I would say the majority of shipments that are out there um, are odd size boxes. Oftentimes I'll get shipments at my door of products that I think, what did I order? And it's a gigantic box. And it's either the way that it just had to be packaged or it's just the nature of it. Or in the, in the other case, it is um, the wrong size box for the actual product to, to fit in it. Sometimes you open a big box and there's an itty bitty product in there. Um, that's where shippers meaning FedEx and UPS are coming after shippers to say, uh, look, we do not want this kind of freight and we're going to, we're going to charge you a lot um, in order to move this kind of uh, freight for you. Yeah. It's a big part of what Carol Tomei I know has been a big part of is, uh, you know, sometimes there are bad customers. <laughs> None of us want to admit that out there. Right. But sometimes there are, those are some tough decisions to make. And you know, I'm interested, how do you work with customers, especially on the packaging side of things? Because uh, one, you, you could save them costs if the package is better, but also environmentally wise, I, I feel like those would be open to a different style of packaging if they know it's going to bring a cost down and, and also help their carbon footprint at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's a very rare thing where going green actually is cost is cost advantageous. 
it's going to reduce your overall cost. Oftentimes going green means like, I'm going to buy a Tesla. Okay, that's really expensive. (laughs) Or I'm going to choose this and and it's the more premium option. Um, But you feel better about it. Shipping and going green has a net impact of cost reduction. So I think it's one thing shippers should be doing over and over and over again. How we do it is Sifted has pre-built models that are ready to go. And these pre-built models just need your parcel invoice data to be plugged into. We go through and identify with your data which boxes are causing you the most amount of pain and then allow you to be able to model it out with these pre-built models to say, okay, I know I can get that skew into a smaller box. Let me punch in the new box size that I know I can get it into. The pre-built model will go through and re-rate every single package from your old box size to your new proposed box size and tell you the exact dollar difference um, that it's that, that change is going to make for you. So there's a lot of, and that's one of many pre-built models that we have in our system that allows for shippers to say, look, I want to have more control in uncertain times. I want to be a better version of a shipper. And I want to take some of that cost reduction back. Instead of stay, you know, starting 2023 off with a rate increase, I want to look at ways that I can start it off with a rate decrease. There's a lot of different models you can look at to do that. Yeah, and even on top of that Sunday, right, if, to be the cherry, uh, as someone who likes to buy things online, I will say it is disheartening a lot of times too as a customer to open up like a giant box that you know has like one lipstick in it or something you know yeah, something exactly. small it's you're like ah come on we could have done a little bit better on this one so uh i think for everyone out there too honestly the customer is going to think about it when they open that box as well uh enough boxes and it's there's no more room for it in our, our uh recycling bins that's for sure now right. uh I want to dive into how shippers can almost be a little bit more proactive in these situations. Sounds like technology is a huge part, but how do you work with them to, like you said, hit that goal of maybe minimizing their cost, even with the GRIs being a part of the equation? So uh, it's all found in a shipper's really invoice data. So in their invoices from FedEx and UPS, and if you've gone through those invoices in either a PDF or in like a physical invoice copy, it's ridiculous to try to understand how they're charging you and what they're charging you for, especially when there's over 150 individual uh, accessorial fees that they can tack on to shipments and uh, put a line item on an invoice. Um, We help shippers by absorbing that data, that invoice data, benchmarking it to what other shippers typical similar in size are typically doing and showcasing back to them ways that they can improve either operationally, like we talked about with box sizes, or maybe externally with their partner carriers, such as um, how do their how does the, the health and vitality of their contract or ser- uh, carrier service performance or their fees stack up. But I, I think what it really means is that we're using technology to look at something that's inherently complicated, to simplify it, and to allow a shipper to say, I'm going to fish where the fish are. What is working well that doesn't need my time and attention? What is not working well that needs my time and attention? Our system will do that automatically for them and then give them everything that they need to do to take really power back into their own hands and reduce costs moving forward. From your experience, what are some of those of the latter, the ones that they aren't paying attention to that start costing them the most? I mean, packaging has got to be a huge one, but even 
thinking about my time in LTL with like residential deliveries and stuff like yeah. that. Like where, 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 where do they usually are not considering what's costing them and their customer more in that shipping? It's, it's the logic and how fees get triggered. So FedEx and UPS used to have very um, understandable fees that they would tack on. Now the fee logic has gotten so complicated, it's difficult for shippers to understand why did this shipment get this massive fee, this shipment didn't, when there's only a one-inch difference in the box size. There's, there's a lot of nuances to how FedEx and UPS have um, done their pricing that a lot of shippers are struggling to understand. I also think that in a lot of ways, shippers are now looking and have more pressure to say, oh, I need to reach more of the United States or more of my customers in that prime Amazon Prime-like experience of a two-day delivery. Um, what that might mean for them is, how do I do that without really increasing my costs? And can I do that in a ground network? Um, so there's a lot of really interesting things by looking at the data. Shippers are that they're doing that might be causing them pain or problems that are completely within their control. And then other levers that they can pull to say, look, if I did it this way, I could reach X percent of the United States population faster for less money than I'm currently doing right now. Those are win-wins that shippers should be doing right now. Uh, excellent stuff. And uh, one area in particular I've learned from your team, and this is a I don't want to call it buzzword. It's a vocabulary word, right? Because it's, I think, something that's going to really pop up more and more in conversation when it comes to regional shipping is the concept of zone skipping. Could you explain zone zone skipping to me like I'm five years old, one of the adorable <laughs> children back there, right? Uh, what is zone skipping? And, and I guess how, uh, how has it affected the shipper up until now? And, and what is Sifted doing to you take advantage of zone skipping? Uh, it's a great question, and it, it, your your five year old thing is is re- reminiscent of <laughs> Michael Scott from The Office. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, explain it to me like I'm five years old. Um, zone skipping <laughs> is essentially um, you're you're doing some of the carrier work for them. So when you give the the carrier your daily manifest of shipments for that day, they're going to take it back to their facility and sort it to say, okay, these shipments are going to this part of the United States, these are going to this part of the United States, and then it goes out. Zone skipping is you're going to be doing that portion for them before you give it to them. And you're going to do that and uh, route some of those shipments to say, all of these shipments in this pile is going to go to California. And let's say you're located in Florida. So it's going cross country and you're giving it to them in bulk. You can either do that by giving it to them in bulk and having them, meaning UPS or FedEx, do a line haul where they basically put those shipments on a pallet and LTL it from Florida to California and then inject it into their network from there. Or you can do the line haul for them. And you can say, look, I'm going to give these uh, shipments in bulk. I'm going to put it in a pallet. I'm going to give it to YRC or to UPS Freight or to SIA or Estes. They're going to deliver it um, to the facility of FedEx or UPS's choice in California, and then it's going to be broken out and distributed from there. The benefit from it is instead of it being rated as a cross-country move from Florida to California at a zone eight, which is the most expensive zone for FedEx or UPS to ship to, you are doing portion of their job for them. You're consolidating it on their behalf. You are bringing it to them in bulk. 
And then you were either doing the line haul or you're having them do the line haul. And it reduces that zone eight down to a zone two or a zone three pricing. It's essentially being a more operationally friendly customer for FedEx or UPS. And in turn, they're going to reward you by giving you a substantial reduction from uh, what they would normally consider zone eight pricing down to zone two. A lot of our customers that do zone skipping are cutting their pricing um, almost in half by doing it. Yes, you do have the extra fee of line haul, but um, it is a substantially beneficial or a more beneficial move for shippers if you have enough volume going to certain parts of the United States. Interesting stuff. Uh, man, uh, yeah, you go from being the worst customer to the best for UPS and FedEx, right? Yeah. Who wouldn't want exactly. that? Um, how do you build that network for the line haul aspect? Uh, how does that work for your team? We have, again, those pre-built models that will allow a shipper to load in their data. And in a matter of a couple of minutes, the system will go through and identify the right locations um, that they need to be doing the line haul on. Just category alone, and then you can say, okay, I've got X number of shipments leaving from my facilities to those parts of the United States. Um, And that's enough that I can be able to do that. And then it's a simple matter of operationalizing it to say, okay, when these zip codes come up on my daily manifest report, I'm going to, before I give it to the carrier, I'm going to sort it in my warehouse. I might throw it on a pallet. And if I'm going to do the line haul, I'll just palletize it and uh, give it to a particular LTL carrier. It really sounds more complicated than it actually is in practice. The hard part is understanding which shipments to do it on and what the net impact is going to be if you were to do it. To say, hey, yeah, this makes sense. A lot of shippers have gut feelings that they should be doing line haul uh, in, in order to do a zone skip on it, but they lack the data that backs it up to say, yep, this is the right decision and this is how much we're going to save so that they can then move internally and work with the internal buy-off to say, hey, this is the way that we, we need to do it. And this is why we should be doing it. That's amazing. And uh, that's, and hey, that's the type of innovation I like to see, right? There's uh, a lot of talks about visibility, a lot of talks about tracking, things like this that, you know, I think are uh, maybe a lot more money behind the concepts being proven. But this is something that's completely tangible that's helping not just the customer, but with carriers, it sounds like in all aspects, even the line haul drivers, right? Giving them an opportunity to be involved a little bit more. And a real quick follow-up too on that. Does that slow down at all? Like, uh, the offering for delivery, does that, uh, could you do zone skipping and still offer two days? Typically, no. It's kind of a sacrifice okay. in that way. So shippers do yeah. need to have an understanding that in a zone skip scenario, um, they can they can absolutely take advantage of it. It might delay it, de- definitely not within a two-day transit time, but it might be more um, in line with the ground network um, of a five to seven-day transit time from pickup to delivery. Um, and that includes the line haul. So it's not it's not crazy when you're looking at it from a ground perspective. The real secret sauce, if you want two-day for cheap, is by um, shipping it from a new distribution center location or fulfillment location that uh, you can store some of your product in and they'll do pick, pack, and ship it to your location or to, to your end customer's location. Um, that is um, really kind of challenging to make sure you have the right inventory in the right locations. But shippers that can do that properly take advantage of best of both worlds, which is the lowest cost possible, fastest transit time, 
um, in a ground network and getting it there within not two days, but really within one to two days. And that's a great, great way to do it. It sounds complicated and it is, but we have these pre-built models that really simplify it. We've done all the hard work. You just plug in your data and see. Love that. That's awesome stuff. Where can people go to learn uh, more about Sifted, about a lot of these practices of bringing their GRIs down um, or take better advantage of their, their own networks? Sifted.com. It's really simple. We've got a lot of great resources on there, as well as YouTube videos on YouTube um, that really showcase our software and how shippers can take advantage of really starting next year off with a rate decrease, not a rate increase. Love that. And you're always a wonderful guest, Caleb. Thank you so much. And uh, after this holiday season, we'll have to get you back on to see how how wonderful or awful it went, right? So yeah, thank you so much. Right. <laughs> Excited to have Thanks you on for in the future. For, oh, of course. And for everyone else out there, uh, I'm going to enjoy the rest of the week here in Dallas with our wonderful ladies, the women in trucking. Uh, excited to learn more about the number of retail players. There's a lot of them here, uh, especially those who have invested in their own infrastructure and their own trucks as well. So pumped up for that. Uh, check out our radio show, my radio show, every night on SiriusXM, Monday through Friday on the Road Dog Trucking channel. Uh, I will be on there tonight with Kaylee to review some of the sessions and talks that we've heard, uh, even from Mr. Robin Hutchinson herself, uh, which was really great. Of course, we'll get some updates on the oil market from wonderful John Kingston. So go check out the show and the rest of the week. We've got some fun plans for you. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us this week and I will talk to you all next week.